Hello, I'm T.L. Lancaster. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I hope you are comfortable and ready to enjoy. In this episode, I will be dictating the first chapter of my story, The Ambling Tale of Bob. It is about a man, Bob, who is transported to another world by a powerful being in hopes of making him more interesting. Using the movie rating system, I estimate this series as PG-13 for depictions of graphic violence and some swearing. With that, we will begin. I hope you enjoy. I will make this clear from the start. If you are the one who did this to me, and I find you, you are dead. I can see you are clearly some kind of godlike entity, but still, I will kill you. For everyone else, you deserve an explanation. It all started about three months ago. I will do my best to fill you in. I was at work, and thus elbows deep into an AC unit, when I heard a voice sigh. At first, I thought it was the homeowner. But when I turned around, there was no one. So I went back to work. Then the sigh happened again. I got up, looked around for somebody, but still, no one. Around the third or fourth time, the voice spoke. Just do something. Lacking anything else to do, I responded, I'm fixing it, under my breath. Then I went back to connecting wires. But it's so boring. You use the blowtorch for a bit, but since then it's been nothing. Hearing the voice was odd. I felt like I had heard the voice before, but I couldn't place where. This thought was broken off when I touched one of the parts still hot from the blowtorch. <sniffs> ah, ow. I hissed, then more carefully went back to work. Even your exclamations of pain are boring. Hey, if you don't like it, do something else. Now, I meant go watch someone else. Or find something more entertaining to do. I did not mean take it upon yourself and make things more interesting as you see fit. Next thing I knew, I was in a barn. No condenser in sight. The fudge! It smelled like feathers, and dust, and animal feces. I looked around and saw a cow about half as confused as I was, and a flock of small birds, not chickens, go absolutely nuts. Where the heck am I? I muttered to the air. I expected the voice to answer back, but I heard nothing, and then the barn door opened. Son! A man called out. Time to bring the horses in. I turned to see my father. But he wasn't my father. But he was. It's confusing. He looked like my dad. Sounded like him, but his clothes were off. Clearly styled after what someone expected from the costume department of a fantasy movie. He was in a long burlap tunic, tight trousers, and shoes with curved tips. Whoever was in control of this put the man who raised me and the medieval equivalent of skinny jeans. For this, and many more reasons, I will never forgive them. The shoes did seem fairly in character for him, though. Dad? Come on, boy. Chores to be done. Dad, I'm 28. You're also unmarried. And under my roof. And the horses still need bringing in. In utter confusion, I did as he told, lacking any good reason not to. In hindsight, I have no idea how to wrangle a horse. Would have been a good one, 
even if I doubt it would have worked. What followed was one of the biggest embarrassments of my life. I can't say what happened besides that in a matter of a half an hour, I was running after two horses that jumped the fence, father was running after a third, while one sat calmly in a stall. What's wrong with you, boy? Father asked, huffing. I don't know what's going on, I said. Then a thought crossed my mind, and my veins went ice cold. Your heart. Dad, Dad, how's your chest? I'm fine, boy, he said, slapping aside my attempts to check his pulse from his wrist. I think this is when I stopped thinking of him as my father. He wasn't. He looked like him, and I think in this world he was supposed to be. But he wasn't. He didn't have Dad's heart condition. And there was one more thing. Stop calling me boy. You never call me that. I call you that all the time, Dad said, half defensive, half confused. Are you doing all right, boy? Stop it. Father got pissed and gave me a scowl my real dad only ever gave me once. And that was because I ripped up a math test rather than take it. All hell broke loose. I was shouting, Father was shouting, both of us have the same voices that carry for miles. Father was about halfway through shouting about how no son of mine will talk to me like that when the monsters sprang out of the forest. The forest was a good ways off, but we barely heard them. Luckily, one of the bigger, greener ones stepped on a branch and we heard that. Dad and I stopped our argument and he ran for the barn. I followed. He tossed me a pitchfork and I caught it. It might have been a comforting thing to hold under attack, but the fork was made from wood with branches trained to form a fork shape. Normally, I would have been impressed with a craftsmanship, but it was the only thing between me and goblins with real weapons. Father grabbed an axe after grimacing towards the house. We should make a break for the house. The barn is too big to be defensible. You might be surprised, but that statement and thinking were totally in character for both my dads. Growing up in a military family, strategy is a common dinner table topic. So it was perfectly natural for me to simply nod. We made a break for it just as we heard the gurgling growls and the barn door flying open. Father and I ran over open ground to a small wooden clay house. Arrows flying past over our heads, fired from tiny stick bows. An arrow flew past my face, broke apart and fell to the ground without hitting anything. As I rushed through the door, Father slammed it behind me and placed a thick branch the diameter of my arm to brace it. Where did I put it? Father asked himself as he ran around the larger of two cots. He knelt to look under the bed. What are you looking for? The ancestral weapons. Apparently me from this world is from a military family as well. Where did you last put it? I don't know. Your mother told me to hide. Mom, where is my mother? Dad paused and turned to me for a moment. She's been gone for years. You know that, boy. My tongue curled to tell him not to call me boy again, but we had bigger things to worry about without restarting that argument. Oh, sorry. Father got up to his feet and looked at me. Strange. How did you know we had a family weapon? Well, I, I don't know. I figured, I guess... Every family has one, right? Father's brow gained levels of crested I don't think I've ever seen on a man short of 80. As he opened his mouth to ask questions, the pounding started and the branch he barred the door with gave an unsettling crack. 
like me before, he must have figured that we had to shelve that for later, and drop back to his knees. It took only two more hits before the door was open enough for an arm to stick through to try grabbing us. Luckily, neither of us was within grasping range. Bad for us, the bar only lasted one more hit. Good for us, the last slam seemed to have crushed the thing reaching through the door. As the door fell open, hanging from a broken hinge, it revealed a humanoid creature. He was so large, he had to both duck and sidestep to make his way through. Dark Lord, won't you? I am sure he does, I said and charged with the four-pointed fork. It proved to be a better weapon than I originally gave it credit for. All four points sank six inches deep into the beast's flesh with significantly less resistance than I expected. This, however, seems to have not been enough to accomplish much more than an oof and a really pissed expression. The ogre, as I was soon to start calling these creatures, grabbed the fork and lifted me. Or tried to. I will point out that the tines were still stuck six inches into its stomach. I can only assume it was thinking, this will look badass and tough. This meant that its hand was acting as the fulcrum for a lever. One end was its stomach. The other end was 250 pounds of me. The cries of pain from the self-imposed evisceration were no less than blood curdling. The sensations of being lifted then falling as I got vibrations of tearing and popping through the handle were more than I could bear. And the smells that soon followed and the sights of... Oh, God. The goblins heard the cry and saw me standing over the bloody ogre holding a pitchfork. A few looked like they were ready to charge, but when the majority started running, they followed. Which was good because the pitchfork shaft was holding together by splinters. Aha! Father said in victory as he pulled an odd-shaped bundle from under the bed. I found it! Your mother's family weapon. Plot twist, but moving on. Cool, I need a new one, I said, lifting the fork. With the sudden shift in gravity and movement, the head of the fork fell off. Dad shuffled over as he unraveled the bundle, his knees still stiff from kneeling. First the bundle produced a one-handed sword, then he passed the rest of the bundle to me. It felt different than I thought it would. This was because I was expecting another sword, or spear, not an absurdly large axe. I squinted at him. Mom carried this? Father scoffed so hard he spat. <laughs> no, this was her family weapon. Oh! No, your grandfather used it. Five, eight, 120 pounds soaking wet Grandpa Lou. Used this beast? I think it's time to tell you, son. Father placed his hand on one of my shoulders. You are the chosen one. Yeah, I got that. Tell me about it later. I said, taking a place by the broken door. I could hear the monsters moving about the farm. We couldn't be sure they were all gone. Your mother's family are the descendants of... Not important. Danger around. I don't think you're, we're going to get a cutscene for you to explain. Mm, not now, the voice said with a hurt tone. I heard a fleshy sound, and father started to gurgle. I turned to see a slick stone-pointed arrow sticking out from his chest and foamy blood emerging from his mouth. Dad, I cried as father fell to his knees. I looked out a forgotten window to see a cowled goblin-like creature holding a stick bow. I hurled the axe. 
I don't know what possessed me to toss my only weapon in what until further notice was an active battlefield. I think I was just angry. Whatever my reasons, I made the stupid decision to throw that axe with all 250 pounds of my Texan fury at that tiny green man. I was lucky in two ways. One, that was the last goblin. Or at least the last to mess with me that day. Two, I got to see the goblin that shot my father vertically bisected moments later. But father was on the ground. And he was bleeding. I fought flashbacks of similar sights down and I tried to fix it. I'm done, father said. No, no, no. We can get you through this. Not again. I said as sights of another place, another time, wore a man who looked just like him, bled from the chest. No, no, I'm done, Father said. He took my hand. You must know, the demon lord needs you dead. You are the last of the line. You hold the blade that killed him last time. You must kill him again. You must. And then his eyes went blank. There was no dramatic... No! There was a, no dramatic blaring of sad music. There was just the silence of seeing a man who looked like my father suddenly pass. I knew he wasn't dad. He, he wasn't. No, definitely not. My father never called me boy. But he looked just the same. And that was cruel. I picked the axe back up telling myself over and over that the man on the ground with the arrow through his heart was not my dad, but he was someone. He seemed to have had a life, a wife with a history, a son who had been taken from him without even knowing and replaced with me. Someone had to avenge him, and the only one left was me. I ran around for a while, hunting any stragglers I could get my hands on. When I didn't find any... I went to collect some things for a trip. I grabbed a sack and filled it with some food I thought would keep, and three vessels to fill with water from the well. I took the sword from Father's hand and added it to my belt. I was better with a sword than I was with an axe. I might have left the axe, but Father's action gave me the feeling it was not something to be left behind. And then I left. It simply wasn't home. It could have been. That little farm would have fit perfectly as the setting of any of my dreams to moving to the country. But I felt like an intruder there. More so even than the goblins. That was somebody else's home. There was vengeance to be wrought. But I don't blame the Dark Lord, or whatever he's called. I blame you. Do you hear me? I don't give a rat's ass about some demon lord. I blame you, and I'm coming. And that's the end of the first episode. There is, of course, room for improvement, but I think it's a good start. If you enjoyed it, please give a like. At this point in my journey, it's a huge help. If you really liked it and or you see potential in what I'm doing, please check out my Patreon. I'm really not comfortable asking for money at this point, but most places and people I've checked with say I should. So if you're interested, there will be a link in the description. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. and Goodbye.